The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. My name is Zane. I am one of the pastors here at Westway, and I'm excited for today. Today is our Blessing Sunday where we get to bless the seniors who are graduating, and so it's just a fun time. This morning we are going to be in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, so if you want to turn there, and while you're doing that, I am going to tell you a story. Clovis Chappelle, he's a minister from about a century back, used to tell the story of two paddle boats. They left Memphis about the same time, traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. As they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the snail's pace of the other. Words were exchanged, challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared through the deep south. One boat began to fall behind, not enough fuel. They had had plenty of fuel for the trip, but not enough for the race, and the boat started to drop back. An enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it in the ovens. When the sailor saw that the supplies burned as well as the coal, they fueled their boat with the material that had been assigned for transport. They ended up winning the race, but they burned their cargo. You see, God has entrusted all of us with cargo as well. Our children, our grandchildren, our nieces or our nephews, And part of our job is to help this cargo, our children, reach their destination. And so what is the destination that you are trying to help your children reach? To be a professional athlete? To get good grades? To get into the best colleges? Or as someone, to have them be someone who denies themselves daily, picks up their cross, and follows Jesus? From the beginning of me being here at Westway, I have tried making it clear that it is the responsibility of the families to raise and disciple their children. So why is it so important for us to disciple our children? Because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. So going out into the world starts in our own home. How do we expect to be able to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations if we can't do it in our own homes. Now, this does not mean the church doesn't play any part in it. The church is here to offer support, encouragement, and equipping. A few ways that we have done that here at Westway is that we have provided a family life workshop, we have monthly family emails, And if you're not on that list, you can come talk to me afterwards and I can get your email. Make sure you're on that list. And we have grandparenting summits. And we are looking to do more. 
But today, I want to give you some ideas in which you can disciple the next generation. They are this. They are these. Having faith talks, God moments, serving together, finding a mentor, and finally, modeling the faith. But before we move on, I would like to read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you have entrusted us, whether we have kids or grandkids or just really close family friends, to be the ones to disciple the next generation, Lord. It's a big job, but you're a big God. And I pray that as we go through today that we learn what you want us to learn. Lord, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You see, what I find interesting about these few verses from Deuteronomy is that when it comes to discipling our children, is that it starts with us. If we as parents are not loving the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our soul, and all of our strength, then we fully cannot commit ourselves to God, which in turn, how can we point our children to do the same? So that's why we need to be constantly working on ourselves on our faith, on our walk with God. You see, we need to be in a place where we are able to disciple our children. So that's why we need to be in small groups. We need to be volunteering, and we need to be getting into the Word every single day. If we are working on ourselves every single day, it's going to make us discipling our children just a little bit easier because we then can include our kids into what we are doing. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is having faith talks with our children. And you may be asking, what is a faith talk? Well, good question. Let me answer that for you. Faith talks is intentionally taking time out of the week to have conversations about Jesus, the Bible, and faith. And so where do we get topics for having faith talks? Well, Maybe you have some questions about the 1015. Write them down and you can talk about them with your family. During your own studies at home, when you're reading the Bible, you come across something that you want to talk to your children about. Or as simple as downloading the Bible app on your phone and going through a plan as a family. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, we don't have time for that. We are a very busy family, which I understand life is busy. But here's the good news. I'm not asking you to do this every single day. Start off once a week, one 30-minute conversation. I am almost positive that you'll be able to make time for one 30-minute conversation over dinner as a family. 
The next thought that may be going through your head about having faith talks each week is, well, that sounds good for families whose children want to do something like that, but my kids don't want to do anything like that. And my response to that is this, you're the parent. You get to make the decisions in your home. You're the one who gets to make these sort of decisions. There's stuff kids don't like doing all the time, going to school, going to the dentist, going to the doctor, but we still make them go. Why? Because it's good for them. And I'm sure I'm not the only one to have ever experienced this. If, you, if you're a parent or were a parent, you come up with an idea, you think it's really cool, Stacy and I would come up with ideas at Boys Town, and we'll tell our boys what we're doing, and the response would be, aww, I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. And then my response to them was, tough bananas, I planned it out, we're doing it. And then more times than not, while we were doing it or after we are doing it, the kids would be like, oh yeah, that was actually pretty fun. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And so, if your child aren't is not participating, just I encourage you not to give in to their resistance. Keep up this practice each and every week. And so, why should we have faith talks? Ed Seltzer is an author and dean of Wheaton College School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership in Wheaton, Illinois. He recently wrote an article on how parents can pass on their faith in an age of moral confusion. And he said this, we have to share our ch- with our children our own struggles, brokenness, and failures, so they might see that we are imperfect creatures seeking to follow a perfect God and his standards. The reality is, you and I have done things or made mistakes that maybe our children don't know, that we have been tempted, or that we have even succumbed to that temptation. So when appropriate, we want to share. When the opportunity arises, we want to be fellow strugglers. Yes, we are struggling at different times and in different ways, but we are fellow strugglers in the midst of the world's brokenness. So having faith talks is good, not only for our children, but also for us. It's going to make our children think. They're going to start asking questions that you don't necessarily know the answer to, But that's only going to force you to grow into your faith as you and your child are looking up these answers. The second thing I want to talk about on how to disciple the next generation is is having God moments together. And what is a God moment? A God moment is just that. A moment ordained by God designed for parents to speak truth to their children in the midst of normal conversation. So here is an example of a God moment. Let's say you and your family, if you don't have a four-year-old boy, picture you have a four-year-old boy, are hiking up the monument. Your four-year-old boy stops, picks up a rock, because for whatever reason, four-year-old boys are obsessed with rocks, comes up to you and says, hey, look how cool this rock is. And in this moment, you have, I'm sure, many options, but you have two options. One, you can be, oh, okay, cool, that's a cool rock, yeah. Put it down, let's go. Or you can take this moment as a God moment. You can say, that is a cool rock. And do you know why that's a cool rock? Because God created that rock. That is why it's a cool rock. And so you're just speaking truth 
into this kid. You're teaching them that God is the creator in that moment. Plain, simple, it's quick, and then you guys continue. When I was a family teacher at Boys Town, I had a boy in my house, and I doubt any of my old boys are ever going to watch this, and if they do, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but he was easily top two favorite kids that we ever had. And his family wasn't a nice family. They came, he came from a pretty rough background. His dad was a, is a leader in a pretty known gang in North Omaha and currently in prison for doing some not so nice stuff. And this kid, we're sitting in the living room. I'm not, I don't even remember what we're doing. I'm just sitting there. He's sitting there probably doing homework, stops and says, you know what, Zane? I've decided that I don't want people to know who my family is because I know that my family is a bad family. And I no longer want to be part of my dad's gang because I know that that's not what God wants for my life. Completely out of the blue for this kid. Before that, he never talked like that. And so this was a God moment because in the midst of a normal conversation, I got to speak truth to this boy that your family doesn't define who you are. And I got to speak truth about God's grace and forgiveness to this kid. And then I, I won't even know how long, but later on, I do know that I got to baptize this kid in the uh, Boys Town pool. So that was a pretty awesome opportunity for me. And so God moments are just perfect opportunities for you to teach your children to look for God in the normal everyday life. The third way that we can disciple the next generation is by serving, and not just them serving, but serving as a family. When we read the first verse of 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see it says, Meanwhile, the boy, Samuel, served the Lord by assisting Eli. Samuel didn't wait till he was grown up, and he served by assisting Eli, who was his caregiver at the time. And so they were serving together. <coughs> Sorry. So one thing that I love about Westway is that we do have the younger generation serving everywhere. Outside of me standing here right now, how many adults have we had on stage today? Zero. Thank you, Austin. I saw that. We've had zero adults outside of me. It's all youth group. And we have kids in the youth serving in Westway kids, and we have, we have elementary kids serving. I know we have an elementary kid serving at the door, greeting people as they come in. And so we have a lot of people already serving here. But the question is, why should we serve? Well, the first reason is serving allows us as parents to teach our kids about humility. Sorry, I'm dealing with crazy allergies. <clears throat> so it's, it teaches us serve, to teach our children about humility. It's no secret in life. The world tells us to look out for yourself, look out for me, do what's best for me, get ahead of everybody else. It doesn't matter who you leave behind. But serving does the opposite of that. 
You all remember the story of when uh, Jesus turned water into wine? Different people did a lot of different things during that miracle. But none of those people got the credit for it. Jesus told the servants to fill up six water jugs, which holds anywhere between 20 and 30 gallons of water. So that's a lot of work. And Jesus was the one who turned the water into wine. But who got the credit? Well, let's read it. John 2, 6 through 10 says, Standing nearby were six water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars have been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed the instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. So the bridegroom got the credit. No one, he didn't even do anything except get married. So serving isn't about getting credit for what you do. You don't serve so you get praise from people. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever give. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. And so when you are serving together as a family, it's just a great opportunity to teach your kids about humility and that it's not always about them. The second way is Serving helps us learn what our spiritual gifts are. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given us each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve others. If you and your family are sitting around and not serving, you are denying your children the ability to learn what their spiritual gift, does, gift is. And the last way is that serving creates or draws us into authentic community with others. When you serve with who when you serve, you grow with the people you're serving with. And when you are serving with people outside of your family, you are inviting more people into the lives of you and your children that will pray for you guys, that will encourage you, and that will help you grow in your faith. So just picture this as a parent. How awesome is this opportunity as a parent where your kid is struggling with whatever it may be, and you know that there's another group of people outside of your house that is praying over your child, whatever's going on, and then you guys show up to church, and that same group of people is just speaking encouragement into your child, and because your kids are seeing the prayers and seeing the encouragement being thrown their way, Like it's going to help them grow in their faith because they know that they have 
other people, I just think that is an amazing feeling. And so having authentic community with other people leads me to the fourth way, which is finding a mentor. I know I said that it's the family's responsibility, but it's also important to have a few people outside of the family that can help mentor your child. If you have ever had kids, you know this to be true. You have told your kids something, not once, not twice, not 100 times, but close to 1,000 times, and your kid's response is, A, they don't listen to you, B, they think the advice is dumb, C, it doesn't apply to them, but then someone comes along, tells them the exact same thing one time, and their world is changed forever. Why didn't anyone ever tell me this? I wish I would have known this. So that's one reason why it's important to have a mentor. And if we look in the Bible, we see tons of mentor and mentee relationships, such as Jethro to Moses, Moses to Joshua, Eli to Samuel, Samuel to Saul and David, Jesus to the disciples, the disciples to a bunch of new Christians, including Paul, and Paul to Titus and Timothy. It's also having a mentor in your child's life is also a great source of affirmation and encouragement for your kid. As humans, we want to be encouraged when life is hard, when things are not going the way that we were hoping they would go. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. It's a great opportunity to have a role model in your kid's life, someone that your kids can look up to that you don't have to worry about. <clears throat> and it's great to have an accountability partner. I know as parents, we want our kids to always come to us no matter what, but that's just not the case. And so if there is someone else that they can go to and talk about their struggles, what they're going with, mark that up as a win. Finally, the last way you can uh, disciple the next generation is by modeling the faith in your own home. Sam Luce is a respected child's or children's pastor and blogger, and he offered this advice for gospeling parents. The greatest things parents can do is model faith at home. Find a church that proclaims the gospel and historic Christianity. Parents can model Bible application in personal devotional times and in family worship. Living a life of faith will create questions, and the answer is not simply, do this because I do it, but rather Deuteronomy 6.21. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. We have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. And so you may be asking yourself, how do I know I am modeling my faith at home? And that's a great question to ask yourself because that means you're thinking about whether you're modeling faith at home. And here are a few questions that you can ask yourself. Are you obeying God's word? 
do you view your children as a gift from God? What do you think about your child's faith being a mirror image of your faith? What examples are you setting for your children? What will your children remember about you? What type of faith do you desire for your children and grandchildren to have? Warren Wiersbe says this, the church is always one generation short of extinction. If our generation fails to guard the truth and entrust it to our children, then that will be the end. When you think of the saints and martyrs who suffered and died so that we might have God's truth, it makes you want to take your place in God's army and be faithful unto death. You see, all it takes is just for one generation of families to not disciple their children. Just one. Now, I understand everyone makes their own choice, but if we are not discipling our children right now, it is just going to make it even harder for our children to disciple their children. My hope and my prayer is that the generation that does not disciple their children does not exist within the walls of Westway Christian Church. And so I want to ask you all a question. What is the ultimate goal for your children? Is it to have them become a teacher? Is it to have them become a nurse or a doctor? Is it to have them join the military? Those are all great goals, and I am not knocking those goals whatsoever. But I want to let you in on something. The unbelievers of the world, the ones who do not believe in Jesus Christ, have the exact same goals for their children. And we, as Christians, need to be different than the unbelievers of the world if we are going to reach the unbelievers. So how does this sound? Instead of having a goal of your child becoming a teacher, doctor, nurse, to join the military, what if the goal is this? What if the goal is to have your child become a missionary who, who just happens to be a teacher or a missionary who just happens to be a nurse or a doctor, a missionary whose side gig is being in the military. This is how we raise up our kids to go out into the world and make disciples of all the nation. But it starts with us at home as parents and grandparents, discipling them first. One way that we do this at Westway is that around graduation time, we involve the parents. Instead of us just having all the kids come up here and I hand them a Bible and I say, good luck, congratulations, now see you later. We want the parents to come up and we want them to pray a blessing over them. This year we have two kids graduating and we are celebrating them today. And the first one is gonna be done by video. Hi, Westway. I'm Mike Andrews, and this is my wife, Luann, and our son, Josiah. I just want to say a quick thanks 
for taking care of him while we were gone. We miss you guys. It's really nice out here in Oregon, but we do miss you guys. So we're here today to honor and bless Josiah. Uh, and we just have this letter that we've prepared. It says, Dear Josiah, you've been a source of such great joy for us as we've watched you grow over the years. God truly blessed us when he entrusted us with you. I hope that we have been a blessing to you as well. As you graduate and step into the next phase of your growth, we are excited to see what God will do as you increase your trust in him and follow his lead. We love you more than words can fully express, and our prayer for you is that you could see what we see. Better yet, see what God sees when he looks at you. The brilliance and potential that he has placed within you are more than you can imagine. As your spirit grows in sync with his spirit, you will find yourself accomplishing what you never thought was possible. The excitement and adventure of the life he has for you will be incredible. We have done what we could to prepare you for that life, and we will always be here for you to lean on, but I'm not sure you'll need to lean too much. You are so capable of figuring out whatever you need to figure out. His strength will be more than enough to get you through whatever obstacles may come up. But call us in for moral support once in a while anyway, just to make us feel good. Don't be afraid to reach for the challenges you find God calling you into. He has made you stronger than you know. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. May that spirit be the one you listen to most as he leads you forward, and may you strip off every weight that slows you down and run with endurance the race God has set before you. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keep watching him, son, and keep learning from him, and he'll show you the way. We're grateful he's trusted us with you. We love you, and we are for you. I'd like to invite Miranda, MZ, and Milo Coop up here. No, you don't need any taller. No, no, hold that for me for a minute. No, just hold it. <laughs> MZ, you have been exceeding and surprising us from the very first day that you were born. You have been doing things in your own unique way, and I am so thankful you are the way you are. You have a tenacious and gentle spirit that loves Jesus. You investigate and question and discover the truth. I can't look at you. Hold on so sorry, um, so that you can make the right decision according to your beliefs. You fight for what you believe in because you have found it to be true. You are truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. You and I have had a lot of talks lately about the uncertainty and excitement of this new adventure of college and adulthood. There are so many unknowns, and yet you, my dear sweet girl, will tackle them with the, your passion and love as you always do. These past few years have thrown you into trials that most people do not experience at such a tender age. 
You have handled it with grace, mercy, and love because of your faith and dedication to following Christ first. I see you getting up early to read your Bible and prepare for the school day when you truly wanted to sleep more. I see you strive to do your best and bring excellence in leading music like your father and leading others in youth group. I see you practice patience, love, and joy over and over again. You do not give up and you do not let Satan win. And while your father is not here to help me write this, many, many years ago, they used to do monthly newsletters and he would write occasionally about his joys and struggles in parenting. So I'm going to share an article he wrote in his Coop Scoop. MC is almost 10 months old. It's been amazing to see the progression of development that can happen in 10 months. She went from just laying around barely able to open her eyes to eyes filled with fire for life and crawling across the floor at the speed of light. Needless to say, we are quite smitten with her. She is such a joy to our hearts. My 10 months as a father has helped me have a better understanding for our relationship with God. It helped me understand a little more clearly how much we mean to him as his sons and daughters. I've been meditating on Galatians lately and have been impressed by the teaching Paul gives concerning our adoption as children of God. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Galatians 3, 26 through 27, and 4, 4 through 7. I know how much I love my daughter, Emsie. I know that I would give anything and everything for her happiness and safety. I think today about my love compared to our Heavenly Father's love, and I pale in comparison, and that's why I rejoice, an heir of the kingdom, shame. Okay, so your brother and I are not sure how we are going to live without you with you gone. You, we are going to miss your socks on the table, your crumbs on the counters, and the endless clutter of art supplies, flower packets, and dirt in every area of the house. <laughs> we are so proud of who you are becoming, but we are confident you will tackle it with the same tenac tenacity that you have exuded from day one. However, since I will not be there to ask you, you can get out your phone and record this. Do you have your keys? Do you have your phone? <laughs> Do you have your wallet? <laughs> I pray you will continue to strive and seek Jesus in all aspects of your life, knowing and trusting that God has designed you to be you. With all my love, Mom. At this time, I'm going to ask the, any elders that are here and the pastors to come up so we can pray over our graduates. Would you stand with us?
Father, as we're here this morning and we see, we see fruit of what it looks like to make disciples of the next generation, we send uh, MZ and Josiah out um, to be missionaries, to go out and share the gospel and the good news with other people. We also ask God that those present would would see in this an example for us to follow, that we are called to make disciples. As Zane shared earlier today, we make those disciples first at home. Whether we have kids or not, we are called to make disciples of the next generation. And I pray that we would do so faithfully. Help us to see that it is not just a responsibility, but it's a joy. Help, it to see, help us to see that it is the fruit of a healthy church body that makes disciples of the next generation. And again, we send these students out and we look forward to them coming back and we look forward to engaging them in life beyond just this moment. And we look ahead 18 or 20 years, 25 years into the future where maybe they will be standing on a stage like this reading a blessing over their own children so that we can see and experience what intergenerational ministry and intergenerational discipleship truly looks like. God, we are thankful for your word because as much as we have tried to pass things on, it is only your word that is true. This is a demonstration of who you are. We thank you for that and we praise you for that. And it's in your son's name. Amen.